and welcome to episode five of the Fertility Frontier podcast with her helping habit. That's where we discuss egg donation, surrogacy, infertility, and a whole host of other subjects under that scope. And today we are joined by a very interesting guest indeed. So welcome. Hello. Hi, I'm Emma and I am a donor coordinator at Her Helping Habit and a genetic counsellor. So my background is in genetics. Uh, I did my master's in genetic counselling. Um, so I kind of come from the science side and I also worked uh, within IVF genetics. So what exactly does a genetic counsellor do? Yeah, so genetic counsellors are basically trained both kind of the medical side of genetics and also psychosocial counseling side of things and the reason for that is that a genetic counselor is basically working with either individuals, families, or couples and we're looking to assess potential risk of an inherited condition, so something that has a strong genetic link um, and because unlike when you just get sick and get better, genetic conditions are lifelong, they can affect you know, future kids that you might want to have, they can your family. There's a lot of um, important psychosocial aspects that people are dealing with. And so the counseling side comes into helping people navigate that, helping them to make decisions um, for themselves based on you know, the genetic information they're receiving, and then also helping them to understand the more medical, genetic, science side of things. So having both that expertise on one side and the other. Um, and using that to support people and decisions. Oh, wow. That sounds like a really varied role. Like you're really getting to see the full spectrum of the subject, uh, right from the scientific side and then all the way through to the engagement with actual people. That must be very interesting. So can you explain what IVF is and how that relates to genetic counselling? So IVF, kind of at the most basic form, is basically doing human reproduction and fertilization, but outside the body. And so it's the combination of the egg and the sperm and creating an embryo, but instead of it happening naturally inside the body, it's happening in a petri dish and all that. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why someone might choose to do this, um, or a couple might choose to do this. You know, issues or um, things like that but also something that we're now able to do because the fertilization is happening outside is that we can genetically test an embryo before it ever can be implanted into a uterus and so the reason why this has come about and it's important is you know historically we've had ways of genetically testing a pregnancy um, usually specifically done for you know, people who might have a history of a really severe genetic condition in the family, something that they didn't want to pass on. Um, and traditionally how that's done is, you know, around 15 weeks of the pregnancy, they can test for this and then choose to either continue on or terminate the pregnancy, um, which is obviously extremely difficult for people. It's you know, something that don't want to go through and um, can be really hard to make that decision at that point. And so IVF presents this opportunity to do that testing beforehand, before anyone is pregnant, um, and take away a lot of that 
anxiety and take away that decision making at a later time and basically test embryos beforehand so that you know already that this embryo won't there'll be a, a way less reduced risk of so, what inspired you to become a genetic counselor? Yeah, so I've always really loved science, um, especially like biology and you know, genetics. I just found it super interesting. I kind of feel like genetics, you know, I'm sure in the same way a chemist would be like, oh, everything boils down to atoms, but I'm kind of like, everything boils down to DNA. Like, it links every living being, whether it's a plant or an such a cool such a cool thing to learn about and genetic counseling in particular um, I kind of stumbled upon it from one of my undergraduate university courses we had a guest lecture once come and talk about it um, and it just seemed like such a such a small niche profession but that married science and also working with people and also has a huge emphasis on creating the most positive, supportive experience for people through what can be a really challenging time. And I think that isn't always stressed in all of medicine. You know, there's a big focus on the science side of it, and like healing people, but that like in-depth support and understanding is not always emphasized as much. So I just felt like it was such a unique way of approaching things um, and really married science and side of things. I mean a lot of people in my program we all kind of had a similar background and we were like yeah I was thinking about like research and science and just felt like something was missing. Mm -hmm. You know working in a lab can be super isolating and also I think the like, rewarding nature of working in a lab or working in research is very long term and so for some people that works a lot but for other people like I like working with people because every day you see the impacts of what you're doing. Whereas, you know, for me to wait four years to see my impact, I'm not quite patient enough. So, um, how do you explain uh, complex genetic information to patients and their families um, in a way that they can understand then? Yeah, great question. <laughs> um, I think for me, one of the most important things is first gauging, I guess, the level of understanding. Some people come in and you know, they've had this genetic condition in their family forever and they know all about it and they're super studied or on all things DNA and genes. And then other people come in and maybe they had, you know, grade nine science where DNA was brought up and that was kind of it and they were listening. So I think being able to understand being able to listen to people and understand their level and then trying to adjust to meet that level. Um, and then there's lots of you know tools and resources that you can use as a genetic counselor to make the information more accessible. So like one big thing that a lot of people do is visuals. So you know what how can we visualize DNA? Like what does it look like? And how do we like visualize a gene? What does that mean? It sounds like we all know like gene, but like what does it actually mean? Um, so a lot of like pictures and visuals. Most genetic councils will also have an analogy 
that's their favorite go-to ever. So I really like um, DNA as like a tool book, like a IKEA of how to build something, right? And you kind of look at like the instructions as all your DNA, and you look at like gene variances. Swedish person who's typist has made a typo, and now the instructions are wrong, and so it's getting built differently, and it changes the function of the table. So everyone kind of has their own little analogies and ways of explaining it. And yeah, I think being able to find a different way to explain it to make it accessible, but also make sure that the information is getting there. Because again, you know, it's not just a one-time seriously you're a better thing. It's it's really needing people to have a full understanding of what this is, because it might affect them more ways than just the present. Um, but yeah, using lots of those tools together Oh, it's also important to be able to kind of gauge some of the understanding within your coordinator session. So I might like to ask someone if they could explain it back to me in their own words. Um, I don't want to make it sound too intense or too much pressure for anyone, but just as you know, a friendly open way to make sure that they're they are listening and understanding. Um, I think also especially when there's you know heavy information, people can just like clock out of it. And so making sure that you know, they are getting important bits and understanding. And then it also gives an opportunity to correct any misinformation before someone's walking away. Um, especially if there's something that their thinking is going to be maybe worse than it is. And trying to address that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that all makes perfect sense. Um, so can you share a success story of a patient who underwent IVF with genetic testing? Um, yeah. All my, I mean, so the patients that I worked with specifically, just because I wasn't at the clinic had a long enough time to have gone like how many of my patients gone through all of the genetic testing all the way to pregnancy to birth? Because um, that's probably a year and a half of time in minimum. Um, but I think I've definitely, I've definitely seen, even in the beginning stages of the process, um, the the positivity and the hope that there is. I think that comes with. You know this process of genetic testing through IVF. Like, I can think of, you know, there was this couple that came in, um, and they had two kids already, and uh, two young boys. And uh, when the oldest one was, I think it was like six or seven, he started getting really sick, um, and it took doctors. And they learned that he had this really like extremely rare condition. Um, it was it's like S S O I D, I believe. Um, and it's basically an immuno immunological condition um, that affects your immune system and uh, causes kidney failure. And uh, most kids don't live past age ten. And um, so eventually, their oldest son passed away, I think he was 89, and their second son, who 
they learned also would have this condition, which is, again, super rare um, and also a recessive condition, which means that both parents need to be carriers. So the odds of both of these parents being carriers for this extremely rare condition is so low. And then the odds of their kids having it will be one in four. So the chances of both of their kids having it was just so low, but that's what they experienced. And um, this couple had been through so much, had lost a child, knew they were going to lose their other son, um, probably within a couple years. And just meeting with them, you know, I kind of knew their story and it was just heartbreaking to hear, but they were so lovely and just like so hopeful and filled with a positive outlook for the future because they had this opportunity presented to be able to grow their family without having to worry about this happening again. And, you know, they shared that they didn't have any regrets for what happened. They really loved the time that they had with their kids, but you know, it's such a, it's a really horrible thing for anyone to go through. And I think, you know, even just them being with them while starting this process, you could just begin to understand how much of a positive and hopeful impact something like this technology has for people. Taking that weight off of them that this isn't gonna happen again. Yeah, it was really cool to be a part of. And also, like, they had a whole long diagnostic odyssey with the kids, and um, because the like the condition itself is so rare, I think the gene variant in the father hadn't even been found yet, so they had to go through the whole process of finding it. Um, so it's taken years, and after years, finally the Basically, we were able to conclude that okay, we can offer you this test now. You know, with your idea, we can do this for you. So it was really cool to witness that. And that was a couple years ago, so I actually wonder if they've had a kid now. Yeah, that would be super interesting if you could find that out. Um, so how do you help families cope with the impact of a genetic diagnosis? question. Um, yeah, so in general, I think this is like the hardest part of the job. You know, it's delivering bad news and supporting people through that. And, um, you know, a lot of my personal reflection in school all kind of centered around this because it did feel like it was you know, the hardest part. And it's really interesting because there's actually like so much literature and research specifically on the idea of giving bad news and how we support people through it. Um, and so that's really where the counseling training I think, comes in that we learn as a genetic counselor. Um, and so, you know, we're trained to be able to use these skills that you would see in traditional like, um, you know, simple things like your nonverbal skills, like how do you make a room more approachable and feel safer for people? Like literally, how do you set up the furniture to make it feel safer and 
how does body language affect how the person might be feeling and how do you read that body language between the two? Um, things like using silence, and I think silence is a huge one. Um, you know, for me, if I've just had to give someone really difficult news to hear, just allowing silence to happen when it needs to happen can be really important. Giving someone the space they need to process. Um, and also, you know, like asking questions that are purposeful in, in helping someone to explore their feelings and, and making them feel like there there is an open space to explore those and learning how to respond in a way that's you know, kind and empathetic and all these kind of skills, these micro skills that all pull together to create a really supportive environment when there is that kind of life altering, challenging news. Like for me also, I think there's an importance in in sensitive directness and you know being honest with people about about the information that's that they're being given and, and not trying to overly sugarcoat things because you, you, know, you want to take care of someone um, so being able to balance that honesty and and truly telling people what's going on but also um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I think the the kind of beauty of genetic counseling is the heavy emphasis on that emotional support side. And you know, while maybe not all medical professionals necessarily are trained to do that or have that emphasis, it's so important in genetic counseling. And yeah, definitely. It sounds like such a unique role. Um, quite dissimilar to a lot of other stuff. Um, so um, I think actually that is all we have time for today, um, but it has been absolutely wonderful and so illuminating to talk to you. I have learned a lot of stuff. Um, really, thank you again for coming in. You've been a wonderful guest um, and uh, hopefully we can get you back on the show soon. All right, thank you for coming on. <laughs> And thanks to our listeners for tuning in today. I hope you found this show as uh, illuminating and eye-opening as I have. If you have any questions, concerns, anxieties, or just want to have a chat about any of the stuff on this show or any of our other episodes, you can find us at www.herhelpinhabit.com on Instagram at Her Helping Habit. We're also on Facebook and Twitter as well. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back again soon. Bye-bye.